0: Hi, I'm Warren,
1: and I'm Adam, and we work for the Sanguine Writing House, which is the UK's leading provider of online and in-person mystery and
0: strategy games. And this is the next episode of Minefield, and today we're joined by Debbie Roberts from the Ollie Foundation. So I just want to start by saying welcome, Debbie, and thank you for doing this. It is an honour. So if you just want to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background...
2: Oh, thank you so much. It is so lovely to be here. I've been so excited for this. So, yeah, my name's Debbie Roberts, and I'm I, I can't tell you I'm so proud to be the CEO of the Ollie Foundation. Um, Ollie is a suicide prevention charity. Um I, I've actually worked in education and youth work, well, forever really, um, but always with an interest in well-being and what gets in the way of that. Um, my background is I have a master's in emotional literacy and I'm I think I'm one of the only people in the world using uh, actually a, a business methodology called the theory of constraints um, used for improving the bottom line within businesses. And I use it in suicide prevention. Um, I'm an author. I'm published through Routledge. Um, my book is the story uh, storytelling for better behavior. Um, and I also create curriculum. So I've created a well-being program which is delivered through the Ollie Foundation. Um, I'm also just super proud to be the trustee of, or one of, um, a group of trustees for a student-led charity called Students for Students, which is an amazing little charity. Um, They take university students and they deploy them as tutors within local primary schools, um, supporting children in year five and six who are at risk of transitioning into secondary without the needed numeracy and literacy skills to make the most of that opportunity. Um, They're they're a wonderful little charity if anyone wants to look them up. And I also volunteer as a country director for the global educational charity uh, TOC for Education. Uh, I guess my goal whether I'm working with an organisation or a family or even an individual is really to support Courageous Conversations, to help people look at the conflicts in their lives look at the obstacles and, and overcome them get over those things that are tripping them up um i have three grown-up children who live in san francisco munich and london uh which means i get to travel a lot um and and that's probably uh, probably enough for now so thank you for having me on the show it's a real honor
1: no it's it's great to have you here debbie um so just just talking about the ollie foundation could you So what what is Oli Foundation and what does it stand for? And how is that kind of set up?
2: Thank you. Thank you for asking. So the Foundation is a UK charity uh, set up six years ago by three parents who tragically each had lost a son to suicide. Um, They met in bereavement counselling. And they vowed to do all they could to stop another family going through what they were going through and continue to go through. And OLLI actually stands for one life lost is enough. Now, when they were setting up the organization, they they wanted to understand, well, where where do our children, where do most children spend most of their time, Um, which for most people is school? And they wanted to understand what do teachers know about suicide prevention and intervention? And what they discovered was very little. In fact, um, when I joined the board, it, it was not a great thing to have to share with them that 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 reality is true of their GP and the wonderful consultants and nurses in A&E. So now today, Ollie provides well-being as well as prevention and intervention training. So we want to be upstream as well as down here in the crisis um, range of things. Um, we deliver talks, education panel events for professionals, parents, and students. Um, We offer a range of exclusive training, but also those things that we're all so familiar with, like mental health first aid, which I know is so important to both of you and that you fund in the community, which is amazing. People obviously have to eat and pay their bills. So um, although we have some costs as an organization for the small team that we employ, wherever possible, we keep those costs to a minimum. So for instance, we don't have an office, we we all work from home. Um, And that allows us to um, continually offer fully funded training for students, for parents, for anyone with long COVID. And actually, if I'm honest, anyone who needs a free ticket. We we believe, despite the fact that we need to eat and pay our bills, we don't want to profit from from this information and and from the information we can share with others. In fact, as an organization, we actually want to make ourselves redundant. Um, We host panel events. Um, with experts to explore suicide prevention and risk factors from the perspective of an at-risk group. Um, And these are always important events that inform the discourse. So, for instance, things like the trauma of relinquishment that we held with Gabor Mate, um, and then again uh, earlier this year with um, Paul Sunderland. We've done lots of talks for the ASD community looking at risk factors within Black and Asian communities. Um, So we're always trying to sort of, put a spotlight on where risk exists and, and what we can do better. Incredibly, during the pandemic, we, we trained over 5,000 people because like you, actually, we believe we're communicating in a different way. We exist in a different way now. Um, and and we knew that this was vital, that we we wanted to be wrong, but we were ready. We wanted to be ready in, in case the pandemic became what we all now no, it became. Um, so we transitioned all our work from being face-to-face delivery to online. And as I say, we, we've we've trained over five thousand people since the pandemic began. So that's something we're quite proud of.
0: That that is just an amazing feat, really, and yeah, just amazing. How, how is it then that you became involved with the Ollie Foundation?
2: So I had um, I had been working in youth work um, for a number of years. Um, I, I did that because I, when I did my master's and when I wrote my book, I wanted to, I didn't want to be this person over here that was talking about it. I wanted to be this person on the ground working in it as well. Um, so that was really important to me. Um, and I supported a number of young people to write a report which has been Wow, it's been used so many times. It's been um, quoted um, in Parliament. Um, it's been used any number of times. It looked at the well-being of young people, um, and this was back in 2012. Um, and and because of that, I, I I was just known to you know quite a few people locally uh, where I am in Hertfordshire and where the Ollie Foundation um, sort of our epicenter is. Um, and and so the board. Or well, the founder asked me to come on as an advisor, um, and, and then I became a trustee. Um, and then a couple of years ago, um, they very graciously asked if, if I would um, work full-time for them as their CEO, um, which has been an honour to do.
1: This, this is a very kind of generic question, Debbie, but do you think that the, the conversation and shift is happening in terms of suicide prevention and mental health awareness are we as a society normalizing conversation or do you think there's still a long way to go
2: you know that isn't an easy question to ask and i'll tell you why um sorry (laughs) an easy question to answer um because from where i sit i think some of the questions we're asking are are not always right um I'm interested in the um great efforts that we're we're putting in to ask people to talk, to reach out, to you know to feel comfortable to speak. But but what concerns me is what are we doing on the other side? How are we ensuring that the people they reach out to know how to respond? Yeah. Um, and how they respond effectively. And and part of what complicates this further is the assumption that suicide is always indicative of mental illness, Mm. because in my opinion, it is not. It is absolutely not. What we see many times is people dealing with, with social issues, with tears to their soul, to their heart, through bullying, divorce, toxic relationships, inability to feed themselves or their children. These are not mental illnesses. So when we always assume that that the way somebody is now experiencing life is indicative of a mental illness, we're going to offer solutions based on that mental illness. How many times, how many times does a young person end up, or anyone, whatever age, end up in A&E because they have tragically felt that they needed to end their life? to be sent home again. I, 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 let me tell you, it happens way too often. And when I was involved in youth work, and still today at Ollie, I receive phone calls all the time from parents saying, this can't be right, they were sent home. Like, what is going on? Well, the bullying that they're experiencing is not a mental illness. So if they're not meeting the criteria for a mental illness, it's very difficult for the mental health team to support them. So, I think there's a huge education program we can do here for the public. You know, I I I don't know about um, the demographic of your listeners. I'm in my late fifties, and so I grew grew up with the Green Cross Code and the, and and the, the 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 man who would help you understand about um, traffic lights and when it was safe to cross the road. And and I think we need that kind of awareness, that kind of general awareness program so that people understand uh, the difference between mental health which is something we all have a mental illness and the fact that people can reach a suicidal crisis when they have lost hope that anything can be different now, now don't get me wrong that's not to say that that many many people who are living with mental illness um, will not you know will also struggle with suicidal thoughts but it's just this knowledge that it's not, you don't have to have an, a mental illness. And if we if we believe that, I think the solutions we offer don't always fit. Sorry, that yeah. was a very long answer that sort of maybe went off on a tangent.
1: No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. I think yeah, the, connect, it really does. the connection is, is always there, isn't it, between suicide and mental ill health. And it's a natural assumption. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually suicide is just a choice and an option for people. Um, well, I,
2: I would I would just say on that that I I possibly wouldn't say it was a choice because for a lot of people they they feel they have no choice. No so- yeah. Why yeah. they're now feeling like well my only choice at this point is to yeah. end my life. But I I understand what you were saying.
0: Yeah. So with with that then, so where would the Ollie Foundation then get involved in that? Like, say, if people are just being sent home or are not being looked after, how how does your foundation step in or, or, or get involved? Well,
2: so we we don't as a foundation um, aim to support people directly. Um, the, the the majority of our work is supporting everyone else. So supporting those around. Um, So health professionals, teachers, um, parents, friends. Um, Our work is predominantly around education and addressing this imbalance, this inequality in knowledge um, and, and helping people understand because no one's at fault here. People who assume that suicide must be indicative of mental illness, my thought on that is that you know when we don't necessarily understand something that um that well we 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 make up a story around it based on our experience of life now if you haven't experienced suicidal thoughts i can completely understand why you would assume that somebody must be mentally ill to want to end their life because life is so precious right um so it, it, we we build this narrative um and One of the issues with that is that it it stops us reaching in, because if we believe that somebody is mentally ill, then, well, how can I help? Um, We need a mental health professional now. Um, I'm just a stranger on a bridge, or I'm just sitting here in the cafe, or I'm just the librarian. Um, But the truth of the matter is, we can actually all be that tiny bit player in somebody's film. We can all be that player in their story that keeps them safe for now. And so, as I say, predominantly the Ollie Foundation is around supporting everybody else. Now, we we do sometimes get calls from, and it's usually parents or friends or brothers and sisters um, of people who are in crisis, and, and we will talk them through Uh, just spend a little bit of time supporting them to know what where else they can go so we will signpost them to all the other incredible um, statutory and and charity organizations that will support them better and and the person that they're worried about
1: we've just had a a comment from uh, somebody there that uh, is watching debbie who says Hi Debbie, the Ollie Foundation helps you to help somebody else. Their training is amazing.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we there's amazing, there's such a wealth of training out there. Um, some of it is face to face, some of it takes several days, some of it is is much shorter and 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 is you know one hour um recorded online sessions like from the Zero Suicide Alliance um there's there's a wealth of things out there and we try very hard on our training to to signpost people to all of them because we really really believe that you'll get a nugget you'll get a different flavor of information from everyone so um thank you so much because we've tried so hard to make our training as accessible and as useful um to everyone as possible um so thank you for that comment i really appreciate that
0: it's it's just just talking about. No. Sorry, Warren. Carry on. I, I was just going to say, obviously was about the accessibility of it. If if somebody was looking to far for some form of training from you, how would they get involved, or do, do they need oh. to be part of a group, like teacher?
2: No, um, no. That. Oh, thank you for asking. So you simply go onto our website, the Ollie Foundation. Um, now, I must tell you, <laughs> there are three charities with the name ollie in their title now i'm good friends with with all of them we work very closely together there's the ollie lee trust that does lots of fundraising Uh, there's ollie's future which works very much with uh, uh, doctors and trainee doctors um, and they're doing amazing work tragically all three foundations Um, Was set up by parents who'd lost a son to suicide or sons to suicide. And now I only mention this because you cannot believe the number of times we get a donation and we realize by what's been written that it wasn't meant for us. Or we get invited to a meeting and I sit there and I think, oh, you think I'm so and so from the other charity. But it's all good. We're all good friends and actually we all work really closely together. So, the Ollie Foundation. Um, if anybody wants to come onto our training, just go onto our website, click onto our calendar and there you will see all the training we have coming up it's always being added to so if you don't see a date that works for you check back or or just drop us an email Um, but on that calendar you can click on to the training you want so the suicide intervention and prevention training is called talk safe plan safe it's two hours it's online and we run it every few weeks Um, it is always free um, but you're welcome to make a donation to support our work if, if that's within your gift. Um, so you can do that. Now this autumn we're also offering two, two other additions. To, so we've got Talk Safe, Plan Safe, which is two hours, but we're also going to run Talk Safe on its own, which will be just an hour, and then Plan Safe, which is a separate hour. So you've got three choices now. Talk Safe will be looking at those. Those things that stop people reaching out for help and the things that stop us reaching in and then some ideas about what we could do differently. Plan safe will simply be how we create a safe plan to keep someone safe and it will be a guided workshop. So people will have the opportunity to to practice it Um, and then talk safe plan safe is both of those together, but without the guided practice part. Um, as I say you can go online you can come to our open sessions but we also are very very happy to deliver these in-house to your community to your friendship group to your school um, to wherever you are and we do make a a charge for that Uh, we keep it as low as possible but again if you are for instance a school or a college or university and you don't have the budget for this well well then we, we we are able to support you by working with the ollie lee trust who have a bursary for educational settings to access our training um as i said earlier we all work together very closely because our mission is the same to stop anyone else going through the loss of someone they care for
1: and yeah i mean it's not just i think you know people think about trading and it being for professionals and people who work within certain settings but you know if we all have those skills of being able to talk and 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 plan and and create a safe space then it's everybody's responsibility isn't it it's not just on the people who we deem as professionals we all all have a, a role to play
2: Absolutely, Adam. And I must tell you a really quick story. We had a lady come onto one of our trainings and she wrote to us shortly afterwards. And she said, When I arrived, came by train, and I saw somebody sitting um, in the station. And I walked past them because it wasn't my problem. I was in a rush. I had to get to the training. Having completed the training, and now my radar is finally tuned to those people that may be in despair. And also it gave gave her the confidence Um, and she stopped and she spoke to that person who was sitting on the platform, uh, not on the platform, in the station. And she was able to have a really useful conversation with them. And actually she discovered they they were in crisis. It, it, It wasn't just that they were sitting there hoping people would buy them a coffee or give them some money. They were in crisis and she felt confident to sit with them. Get that information and then wait with them while those that were in a better position to support that person could <laughs> arrive. That's the difference this training makes. You, you cannot it, um, we we don't let people go away thinking, right, now you can fix someone. Um, you know, we're not giving you a magic wand to fix people. Invariably, people need to fix themselves. And, and and that takes me to another point, which is, you know, we're we're sort of living in a a, a mental health version of the Wizard of Oz. We're all trying to get somewhere to be fixed. We 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 believe that we need someone else to fix us. And although that may be true for some people, and that some people will need some help, and thank God for all those who've trained and have that those qualities and skills to be able to do that. But I just want to remind us all: Dorothy always had the red shoes. She could always go home, right? She just didn't know her own power. And and so that's something that I think training like ours and all the training that's available, like mental health first aid that I know you champion, um, it's not going to necessarily support you to fix someone. That's not what people generally need. What they need is someone just to listen and to say, okay, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to stay with you. Um, In fact, I have, I don't know if you can see this, so I, I have I ha, this was drawn by a mother who lost her son to suicide, Zoe Strickland. I have this everywhere. It's pinned up here. It's all over my office. And it just says, I'll stand in the rain with you. And that, to me, is, is what we're trying to support people to do, to say, you know, your umbrella is big enough for two. Um, let's stand in the rain with someone. and 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 if they need more, let's know where to signpost them to um but we, we we don't have to fix them that's that's a longer journey right
0: well, that's it like i say it's it is just about being there for people sometimes isn't it and and letting them know that we will listen and you know we'll we'll just spend our time with you and just yeah. reach out and. Being a friend to a certain extent really isn't it it's and that's what mm-hmm. what people need yeah. and, uh, and it's something you're, learned... training... sorry I'm
2: so sorry cut over you i'm so sorry please please carry on
0: no no i i, I was literally just finishing i was i was just going to say that that's all we need sometimes and your training yeah. helps people be that friend for people
2: yeah, to have that confidence. And, and what we do in our training is, is we're also very clear with people um, what their boundaries are. And so although we will show people how to create a safe plan with someone or or how they can be a good active listener and support someone and, you know, hold that umbrella and be in the, the rain with them, we also remind them how they, they maintain their boundaries. Because if you do a safe plan or the way we show people how to create a safe plan it also allows you to do that. So, for instance, um, saying, "Look, let's look up who, what services are available throughout the night," because the thing is, um, I'm I'm not going to be awake. Like, if you if you you're if you wake up and you're feeling absolutely desperate at three in the morning, it doesn't matter if I keep my phone by my bed the way I sleep, I'll never hear it. I just won't. And I don't want you to be ringing and I don't hear my phone. And that's why we we need to check out these. So let's have a look. Let's see which ones do you think you'd feel comfortable ringing? Um, So we're being supportive, but we're also putting a boundary in there. We're not saying, listen, it's it's five o'clock Friday. I'm back in my office Monday 8. That's when you can next ring me um we, we're saying we're doing it in a much softer gentler way and and allowing that person to understand i i just can't i won't he- i won't even hear it and i i can't run the risk of you ringing me and me not hearing it um and for me that's a very i think anyone can understand that and and what i would also advise people to do check though you know you might look online and see so um i don't know Adam Warren, if you've heard of the incredible Hub of Hope, um, it's an online mental health um, directory. So wherever you are in the country, you can find things that are local to you, national, um, and and it's a whole directory of of all sorts of support agencies. Um, I I always recommend to delegates that come on our courses, check everything out yourself. If you're recommending the Samaritans, if you're recommending whoever it is give them a ring um because the samaritans are amazing thank goodness they exist and they're particularly great for that person that wants to be heard but not everyone wants that not everyone wants to talk necessarily some people just want to be told what to do or or so so we need to know what the service is that's being offered So I I always support people to think through and also to check. Um, It says it's 24 hours. Lots of things have changed over the last year. Is it still? Are are you reading an updated um, piece of information on your browser or is this not up to date? Um, So we really encourage people. And then when you're with someone, so Warren, if you were talking to me, I, I, I would hope that you would say, should we just check them out now let's let's have a look and you could do it on your phone because what i might agree to when you support me i might not feel comfortable doing on my own so um you know it's almost like a dress rehearsal we're not going to ring them now but let's check out the website let's see where the number is so that should you need it you know where to find it this isn't rocket science right no this is but but I think people
1: are uh, terrified of mental health training and doing some kind of course that... But actually, you're right, it's not rocket science. It's it's human behaviour, it's empathy, it's being able to stand with somebody and nobody should ever be afraid of, you know, attending training or learning some really important skills that could help somebody else and it's 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 just common sense a lot of it isn't it and you know if you can talk to your friends your wife your husband your partner you can talk to anybody you know um and sometimes well, it's not about talking is it it's about listening as well
2: exactly exactly so what we do try and do in our training is support people to understand the language that they're using because the language that we use is loaded it tells us so much about um what we think about that person so for instance on our training we will say things like the the euphemism a lot of people use um you're not thinking of doing something stupid are you now I know that that is usually said with love, with compassion, with fear. That if you say anything more direct, you could be putting an idea in their head, or you could be insulting them. Um, the problem, but if we just look at the logic of those words, you're not thinking of doing something stupid, are you? For some people, that might infer that I think suicide is stupid, and you're think you're stupid for thinking about it. Um, So language is really important and we go we spend a lot of time going into this um, during our training. Um, We also look at the language because every generation has its own slang, its own vocabulary. So we also share um, with our delegates some of the words that they might see or some of the phrases that they might read in um, social media streams um, so that they understand this has has another meaning. and, and you might want to be aware of that. So language is, is incredibly important. And that listening, being able to listen without any kind of judgment. Um, I, I don't know that we're quite past those days, but, but we're getting closer to the days when we sit there and we say to someone, what will this do to your mother? What will this do to your sister? Because we can't guilt or shame people out of their despair. That might that might be a trick that works for a little while for this meeting or this discussion, but it doesn't solve the problem because there will always be a reason why they've got to that point, and and that's what yeah. needs to be unpicked. Yeah.
0: And that's and, and that shame might just inevitably drive them further into that kind of crisis stage, mightn't it? And,
2: I believe so, Warren, for some people, yeah, yeah, I think for some people, not everyone, but for some people, it will reconfirm, um, I'm a burden, actually, as much as it will hurt them, in the end, they'll get over it, because in the end, they'll come to see they're better off without me, now, obviously, that's, that's not what happens, no one ever is left going, ah, well, I'm better off now. Um, but that's the thinking that starts happening for some people, um, and it's it, it's just heartbreaking.
0: It uh, is. It's all it's all heartbreaking, really. And it, I think it's kind of sad that it's not sad, but you know that, that people like yourself are needed. As you say, I I liked what you said at the very beginning of this. Where obviously your company the foundation isn't about making money ideally you want to make yourself redundant you know uh, and it's yeah it'd be nice if we weren't needed i think if yeah if and we're seeing this issue
2: yeah and, and we're seeing um you know i, I think i've just seen shelly uh, put something in the chat about things like uh, going back to language things like committed um, yeah, we yeah. still see that as a very common, it's just part of our language to say someone committed suicide. Um, but I'm sure lots of people listening to this will already know that comes from, it's so loaded. It comes from when, when suicide was a crime. And by the way, suicide is still a crime in many places. Um, I, I know a young woman who who attempted to end her life in uh, Texas in the United States It wasn't an ambulance that came, it was the police car that came um, because it's a criminal offence. And and this is borne out from a a religious concept of of, of suicide being a, 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 a mortal sin. So, you know, the language we use, it's so important to understand how it can distance people. My, my personal one, and I'm really sorry for any counsellors that listen to this, because I, I know that this is something that within the, the, the healthcare profession, it's used a lot. But to me, it's like nails down the blackboard is when people said they completed their life. Um, you know, I look at my kid on, uh, on, on PlayStation and I think. It, we didn't complete a level. It's not completed. It, it, I just—it's a personal one for me. But when I share it, a lot of people agree, and they go, "Oh my gosh, yes, that makes sense." Yeah. Um, yeah. I think let's just use plain language. They died by suicide. They took their own life. Um, these other words aren't aren't that helpful. I do know that not everyone agrees with me on that, by the way. But I'm just sharing it.
1: It's yeah. I it's, mean, everybody has a life to live, don't they? And you know. I think, you know, what, what you're doing is amazing and, and other organisations, we need to be um, proactive instead of reactive. You know, we need to educate as much as we can, um, you know, educate young people before they become adult males um, and adult females that, that are going to have issues and may be in crisis. So mm-hmm. the more kind of intervention, prevention, and kind of proactiveness that we can put into place, you know, we kind of safeguarding our future generations um, in a way. You know, to, to kind of stop this kind of cycle that we've kind of found ourselves in at the moment.
2: Well, this is so interesting, Adam, that you talk about this as in the moment. So, we did one of our panel events was with an amazing PhD student, um, Ella Sabrini. Her thesis, her 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 PhD. Uh, studies looked at suicide across history. Now, I could have talked to this woman all day long. I found it so interesting what she has helped me understand and what her work is helping everyone understand. The statistics of three out of four suicides a male has been constant throughout history. Now, if we were in the 18th, 17th century, do you know who we'd be most worried about? Do you know who our public health, if they existed, would be talking about and having campaigns for? Seven-year-old children.
1: Really? Wow.
2: Because seven-year-olds, that was the age at which you got taken or sent from your mother and put into service, stuck up chimneys, whatever it was that you had to do. It was our seven, eight, nine-year-olds who were suiciding more than any other age group. Suicide has always been part of the human existence. And actually, Ella, um, if if anyone looks up her work, she's on LinkedIn. She's amazing. Um, And we we have that session. Um, So, um, yeah, it's a great one to listen to. But she helps us understand that this has always been part of the human condition because we have always had challenges. We have always had events in our life that lead us to a point of hopelessness. And so for me, that's where we need to focus our attention on. And that's why, at Ollie we include the conflict resolution and goal setting and all these upstream type of skills. Because I really believe if you can, if you know what your goal is and how to plan for it, which in the work we do means being real and honest about the obstacles you face because they're just obstacles you know when when we go on a car journey what do we do we get our phones and we put the route in and we see where the, the traffic jams are right this is all we're talking about but in life so we know where we want to get to what could possibly get in our way because just like when we drive we re, we we plan our routes so that we avoid those obstacles now it might be a slightly longer route normally Um, But for us today, because of that traffic jam, it's the best route. And that's what we're trying to teach people. So that's why now at OLLI, we we, we bring in all this sort of what I call upstream. You know, before people have jumped into the river, let's get upstream to stop them. Um, And so that is why we're so passionate about the goal setting, conflict resolution, and understanding how thought works, understanding and being curious about our thoughts. Um, Now, I can't tell you who it was because it was years ago and it was at a conference and I'm so sorry because I don't know this fabulous trainers name but anyway I'm going to tell you what they showed us as an audience they had um, an image like David Attenborough film of a gazelle being chased by a lion or a pack of lions the gazelle got away now this presenter made us all laugh um, because she said did the gazelle go around finding all the other gazelles going, oh, my God, did you see that? Did you see what just happened? Oh, my God, what would have if they had caught me? Who would have looked after my baby? She showed us our ability to catastrophize and live in the past yeah. um, and how that depletes us of our ability to be in the moment and maybe see the next pride of lions that are coming to, to track us. Um but she was a brilliant brilliant uh, and very funny lady and she had the whole audience um in stitches um but the truth of the matter is humans are designed to manage stress um but the stress that we encounter because of the way we play it back on a loop and catastrophize and just worry again and again and again and we tell ourselves these stories and we we tell ourselves these stories that we're not good enough, that no one likes us, that we're too short, fat, tall, thin, too clever, too stupid, whatever it is, our thoughts come our backing track. And the way our brains work, um, as much as I understand the way our brains work, is that they're not so good at telling fact from fiction. So if you tell yourself you're too stripey, our brains are so fabulous that they will notice that day you walk past walk down the road past that slatted fence and and the sunlight casts a shadow across you that gives you stripes and there that's the evidence we need so just if we go around saying no one likes us how do we enter a room you know i i, I talk to this with young students all the time how does the person who hates themselves enter the room it's so usually head down, not making eye contact, and they go and sit away from everyone. Now, put yourself in the shoes of the other people in the room. Someone's just come in, not made eye contact, not smiled, and go and sat away from you. And you just think, oh, what's up with them? What, we're not good enough for you? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And your belief that no one likes you does, to some extent, influence how you show up in the world, In a way that guarantees that you will see get that response from people now i know i'm speaking generally this isn't true for everyone um but understanding all of this i I just think it's like magic when we understand how these things work it can and it can support us to be stronger and flourish and get the best out of the world in which we're living in yeah yeah I, right. I, I've had
1: I, I, this is... silence with all that haven't i <laughs> it's um <laughs> it just makes you think doesn't it when you look at things from a different perspective and you hear somebody's um perspective and and it kind of clicks and resonates and makes sense and, and i think anybody who's watching will will be kind of sat staring at the screen in the same way going that makes so much sense yeah. you know and and that, that's just yeah that's amazing debbie i think you know the way that you explained that was really really and, and that will resonate with a lot of people
2: well look could i use your platform and hopefully resonate with a few more people about something that's really important to the ollie Absolutely. foundation right now so Perfect. we're very interested and very concerned about the number of people um taking antidepressants who don't have the support around them that is needed now let me just explain we absolutely encourage everyone to take the medicine they need um, and that's absolutely right but we've been working on something called a safer prescribing pathway it's something we've created and we've, we've been talking to anyone who will give us five minutes to listen to us um because just like antibiotics, we want this neutral conversation. So if you if you have an infection and your doctor says you need antibiotics, we have a very um, just um, non-sensational conversation, don't we, around, listen, guys, if you get an upset tummy, you can live with that. But if you get a rash, we need you to be coming back to the surgery. We need to know about that straight away. Most people are not aware that Um, antidepressants have had a black box warning for over 10 years that means that one of their side effects is suicidal thoughts antidepressants can for some people cause deepening anxiety depression and suicidal thoughts doesn't mean that is going to happen it is a possible side effect But we think we can do better. We think generally we can do better at being at having those neutral conversations like we do with antibiotics. If you've got um, a bacterial infection, you're going to take the antibiotic, right? So we don't want anyone to stop taking the medication. But what we do want is for people. um, And essentially, it's a safe plan, just like we use in suicide prevention. But a safer prescribing safe plan is just around the medication. So it's a a more, as I say, we always want it to be neutral and supportive, but a conversation around the possibility, however small, that you could feel worse before you feel better. And actually, you could feel really badly. And should you, you're also going to be in a position where you're going to find it hard to reach out for help. But in this safer prescribing pathway, we're going to have an agreement that If you feel like that, and we're going to write it down, we're going to have it on your phone, we're going to have it where you can see it and remind yourself that if you're feeling that overwhelmed, you are going to come straight back here to get the support you need because we either need to change the medication, reduce the um, amount, we need to do something. And the reason this is so important to us um, is, frankly, we can't bear to take another call from a parent that says, my, my child my 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 child who just finished university or whatever age they're at who had so much ahead of them who who on you know when you looked at them had so much going for them and they've just ended their life or oh, and and by the way in the conversation they happened to mention we we know they were struggling because they just started antidepressants and i sit there with this knot in my stomach thinking okay which one was it Did they, was it as a side effect of the antidepressant or was it because of the circumstances that brought them to take the antidepressant? Mm -hmm. And it honestly, it makes me want to cry to think about that because it's just heartbreaking and we can do something about that. We can, we don't need to hide. We don't need to scare people. They need to take the medication that's going to support them. But just like we do with antibiotics, we need people to be aware and to know what they do, what they should do, should they have these side effects. So if this platform helps me share that message, and if anyone listening wants to know more about it, please reach out to us at the Ollie Foundation. We, we have this whole pathway written up. You can use it in your community groups. We're, we're, we're hoping, we're hoping we're gonna receive a yes for some money that we've asked for, so that we can go around to universities across the country and, and support students to understand this, because um, I, I don't know if this would be you know, something that you're familiar with, but students around this time of year are being handed antidepressants left, right and centre just to get them through to university. And it just breaks my heart to think that they might not be aware and their parents might not be aware um, of the reality of what they're doing. So thank you for giving me yeah,
0: those few minutes to talk about that. No, 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 you're more than, you're more than welcome. We actually had a, a guest on a couple of weeks ago, um, again, saying a very similar kind of thing because he'd been prescribed antidepressants and it wasn't until he was on those that as a side effect he started having the suicidal thoughts. And as you say, it's because we've got so many chemical indifferences in each and every body. You, you just, you don't, it's hard to know what levels you need to be at, which is the right medication. And as you say, the medication is needed, but it's just finding the right combination for that particular person. So having that safe plan around the medication, again, it's common sense.
2: Makes sense. And, and it should you just know, be. It's be common knowledge, shouldn't it? And I just want to give a shout out to the incredible people at Sean's place in Liverpool. Um, They're a community setting for um, adult men who are struggling for whatever reason. Um, So they've now embraced this idea of safer prescribing. You know what, these guys that are going there are now confident to have these conversations and they're having you know they bring in a pharmacist once a week so that they can have these conversations with a professional not not me but you know with a professional who really understands the medication it's not just suicidal thoughts these guys are now understanding their impotence that the the need to go to the toilet 20 times during the night they weren't sharing this stuff because they were embarrassed but now they've got this opportunity and their, their medication is being tweaked like you said warren so it, it it meets their personal needs and they're no longer putting up with stuff that was you know just ruining their their lives um so it's so important and we're, and we're seeing the impact it's having for people already so we just want to as I say, hopefully we'll, we'll be awarded this funding and it will allow us to get out to more people and share this.
0: I really hope you get that because it's so important.
2: Yes.
0: Yeah. It Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been amazing. And I really, like I say, could just talk for, for hours. I think you've got so much okay. advice and, and so much to give and I think what you do and what the foundation does is just fantastic. It really Great. really is. Yeah. yeah. Thank um, you. So I
1: just
0: to say, yeah. so. I was just going to say thank you so much for joining us. Um and we'd love to again um a little bit down the line have another catch up and, and see, you know, how we're getting on, see whether you've got this money and, and how the safe prescribing is going
2: oh thank you that it would be wonderful to come back and tell you all about it thank you
1: yeah and as always if anybody's got any messages or anything that they would like um to pass on to debbie any comments um any information that's been in the podcast please let us know and we'll make sure that that those messages comments gets passed along to debbie um thank you for watching and thank you debbie for, for coming along and speaking with us today it's, it's been very insightful. It's been great. Um, and, yeah, we look forward to you joining us again. And Thank you. Uh, I'd
2: love to. I'd love to.
1: Yeah.
0: Thank you very much.
2: Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: We'll see you later. Bye. The Mindfield Podcast has been presented by the Sanguine Writing House. UK's leading provider of online mystery and strategy games, along with team training, mental health awareness, and mental health first aid courses. To find out more and to book your course or game, please visit tswh.co.uk.